What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Doctorly Unhinged podcast. We are, for the first time ever, shooting live in person. We have new special guests with us, and we have a really exciting topic to talk about today on Doctorly Unhinged. You met Dr. Bisher in the past. Of course, you know Dr. Maxfield. We have a new guest, Dr. Casal. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me. You're welcome. Dr. Casal, good friend of mine. And mine. Mentee. And mine. Mentee, I would argue. Um, no, so yeah, <laughs> everyone wants now ownership. He's all I, of our mentees. I We've known him for years. I brought him into the Durham world. I brought him into the Durham world. You, you brought him into the social media world. <laughs> no, I brought him into dermatology. You guys yeah, both, we both did. Yeah. I want to take credit. She's doing a great, he's a great guy. He screws up and then I don't very know him. Technology, very hardworking, great guy. Uh, we're all obviously trying to take credit for it, which is a good sign. No one is, no one is like not taking ownership of it. Which like, is, I don't know this Dr. Guy. Bisher is quiet on, on the side over here, but <laughs> yeah. so today we have a really, really exciting topic. Um, we are going to be talking to you about AI. Huge topic right now. How is AI going to affect dermatology? How is it going to affect skincare? How could it potentially affect all of your lives? So do any of you have any experience with chat GPT or any of the stuff that's been coming out over the past few months? Of course. Actually, you're the one that introduced me to chat GPT one day. We were afterwards he's like, bro, I was like, what? He's like, this is huge. It's <laughs> huge. And I'm like, what? And he's like, this chat GPT thing. Check it out. So you're the one that actually opened my eyes to it. And then we were playing around with it. I think it was the first iteration of it. Yeah, ChatGPT3, that was the first time it, it had come to the public, and that was the first time I had my hands on it. Have you played with it at all? I've played with it a good amount, yeah, but I have friends who work in, you know, the emergency departments and such, and they use it for discharge summaries and well, things wait, like that. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They, um, this is already in the hospitals. The ER doctors are using ChatGPT for discharge summaries, maybe admission notes, progress notes, surgical. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, it's not integrated, but like it, for um, like a pediatric emergency visit, like mm -hmm. if you have a kid who's discharged with pneumonia, you just type in like pediatric pneumonia discharge instructions. It prints out a full sheet with from Wikipedia. Why do they not have this built into their from EMGPT? Because this Chat thing came out like a month ago. It changed the entire world. So. <laughs> I, you know, this thing got gets released, a company called OpenAI, which I heard was founded by Elon Musk before he stepped away from the company. But basically every every iteration of AI that exists on the market today is somehow founded in this OpenAI project. You know, it has a lot of the data on it. ChatGPT was the first, ChatGPT3 was the first free version that was available to the public for us to play around with. This thing is literally incredible. I, I can't tell you what happened when the iPhone, like when the phone was initially introduced. And I can't tell you what happened when the computer was introduced because I was too young. Like I, I was actually alive when the, when, when the, when the cell phone became available, <laughs> but like, I, I was too young to know like how it would impact the world. Do you know what I mean? I didn't have like a worldview where I knew like, okay, this is such a big technology that it's going to change the world. I don't know how I felt about the internet. Like, I don't know how my parents felt about the internet. All I know is the day that I played with chat GPT for the first time, I was like, this is the most significant technology to come out in my lifetime that I can recognize as disruptive. Now, what makes it so special? Because let's say, so I am the 922 year old of the group in that I am the most resistant to technological change and progress. Like I want to just, I want to be in the hills somewhere milking a cow, but what, which I really don't actually like, I'm from a beach person, but so why not? What is this different than Google search? Because like, if I just want to Google search the same thing, like it's faster. 
But if I want to Google search how to discharge summary for that pediatric patient, it's still there. Because this is actually taking information that's out there and synthesizing. It's like making, taking it all together and giving you an output as opposed to something that like some person wrote on the internet that's like pre already there. So you're going to have to go through like 40 websites with what chat GPT will summarize in like three sentences for right. you. You went through those 40 websites, right? And yeah. then it just summarized the summation of those top 40 websites. Okay. Okay. So it's, it's, it's taking that Google search bar and it's basically creating a summary paragraph at the top, synthesizing what those first 10 pages of data would be. Kind of, but it's synthesizing very complex information into the most bare bones way that we as a human would interact with the world. Like if I told you, Dr. Maxfield, I want you to write me a paper on a particular subject, right? What would take you five days to go through several research articles, take that information, summarize it into a way that would be palatable and acceptable by somebody else reading it they can do in like 10 seconds. Like I'll give you an example of how complex this thing is. I asked it a question, somebody comes in, left lower leg pain, chest pain, trouble breathing, they come into the ER, they're this age and what what would you, what do you think it is? Give me the top five possibilities. Pulmonary embolism is number one, right? Right. Pulmonary embolism is number one, but imagine you're somebody with no knowledge of this subject, right? You're a doctor, so you know what the differential would be. Right. But, it, but imagine you're a lay person who doesn't know anything about medicine. What would conclusions would you come to and how much information would you have to read to come to the possibilities? So when it goes is pulmonary embolism, MI, anxiety, List my top five, like by, like it was definitely the top five I would have thought of. Mm. And then I said, what test would you order? And it's like CT of the chest with contrast, D-dimer. Like it was like hitting everything that I would order. And then I was like, what do you think the most likely diagnosis is? Pulmonary embolism. Like I asked these questions to ChatGPT and it gave me, not at the level of like a board certified emergency medicine doctor, but like pretty dang good like like i was shocked i was mm -hmm. like this is incredible because it took an input from me and then was able to come up to the conclusion that i found to be an acceptable answer at the level of a doctor and it's passed you simply step one yeah was it just one or i think it's step one that i've read yeah it, the chat gpt3 passed with like a seven like low 70s or something but the newest rendition passed in like the 90th percentile and also 90 passed the bar it also passed okay it's not that impressive that's not it, impressive what is that, what is that not okay. impressive because for the chat gpt this is an open book test it, it like you just told me it's like literally yeah but, Dana, but, the, but the issue well. is is that it's interacting with you so when he asked it so then you can then you can then you can talk to it and then it'll 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 take the data it'll synth synthesize it in a different way right so it's not just like searching and summarizing it's also interacting and you're teaching it and also the, those questions from the usmla a lot of them are like second and third order like they require higher level thinking so it's like a good point you have to actually come up with a good answer and chat gpt is like almost so that's a good reasoning through it you know it's synthesized that's actually a good point is the complex because so dr shaw and i and i don't know if you did you, i actually don't know if you did too but we actually wrote a lot of medical questions for board exam material and stuff like so we're very familiar with like the idea of first order, second order, third order questions. And that, that is actually pretty impressive to not, to interpret a third order question. That's not like what color is the sky. It's like, there's an egg from Easter. That's also the same color as like a jelly bean. I don't know. That was like a terrible example that went nowhere, but it, it is pretty complex. I mean, that's impressive. It, what it can do. I'm, I'm telling you, like you have to, to see it happen in real time. It's not like just like a Google search. Like if it was that simple, if, if it was like a, if it was like a, 
a gimmick or like a toy where it just like like series kind of like a gimmick or a Sox. toy to me where it's like ca- like the calendar. Oh, I didn't hear you correctly. Like terrible, terrible technology, right? Like it's supposed to be disruptive. And I remember when Siri was coming out, I was like, oh my God, you're going to be able to interact with this thing. This is going to be awesome. You get it. It's awful. I'm telling you, chat GPT is so significantly accurate that you're, you'll be shocked at what it can do. You could take an entire book, copy paste it in there, and then you could say, give me a 10 point summary on this book. And it will do it within like 10 seconds. Like it's in- incredible at what it You don't even do. have to give it the book. You just give it the name of the book. You can give it the name it. of the book and we'll find it. Yeah. And it'll do it for information. It's interesting. I've actually done an experiment too. So I gave it the name of a book and then I said, synthesize a story. It's like a self-help book about somebody who underwent this transformation by reading this book. And it gave me a story. And then you can even say, change the tone of it. You could say, you know, I want this to be written at the level of a dermatologist, or you can say, I want this to be written at the level of an eighth grader, or I want this to be written as if Kanye West is saying it. I want like, no, seriously, like it's that, like it it, it can, it can even like r- change the tone of voice, the, the way mm-hmm. things are written. You can make it write you a poem. It can code websites for you. It can code apps for you. Awesome. Like, and, like the level of, right. like it, it really is one of the most significant technologies now. Okay. Uh, now I've convinced you at okay, this point convinced. that this is a significant advancement. <laughs> <laughs> this is like telephone 2.0. Uh, right. like, the, <laughs> Notice he's, he, he's the only one wearing street clothes here. <laughs> yeah, this is like, I don't like a yeah. real watch. Nonetheless, everyone in their technology, technology watch, watch list. You ain't that EMP proof watch yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah. The, oh, EMP proof. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wide mouth, a digital analog over here. Okay. It's a kinetic watch. Yeah. yeah. No batteries even. Yeah. yeah. So now take it back to healthcare. Right. That was going to like disrupt impact of healthcare. Well, this, my thing is, the, the, and we started to see this trend already, though, it's that information is a commodity. Like, I love that. It, yeah. It's. It's very interesting because as doctors, like we, the time commitment and the work commitment, the effort is insane to acquire knowledge, but the value in that has been steadily decreasing um, because what we would learn has become widely available. Like when we went to medical school, um, up to date, for all you medical professionals out there, you're like, of course, up to date. That was new. Like this was very heavily frowned upon. If you were caught looking at up-to-date real rounding, they're like, that's crap. Like, why are you Googling an answer? This is crap. That's unreliable. But now it's the Bible. Uh, this is the new physician's reference. And everyone can Google, every physician or whatever can Google this and have like re- medical information available. And so that obviated the need for all these physician references and the storing of information, complex information in your head. But now like to the next level, it's like- right. It not only has the information stored for you to access it and synthesize it, now is taking that next step and synthesizing it. Now information is like, it where's the value? So is a question now, should we rework our medical education because we have these tools, right? Right. The, well, then the question is, okay, let's take it back to the very beginning then, right? I, I guess if you can answer this basic question, then I would answer this question for you. So if you, do you think that kids should learn how to do math? by hand or do you think the calculator is enough kids should still learn you to do it by hand uh, it's a good question and and i and i do think like when i was studying physics i had i don't know if you I, for some reason i remember my life like in stories i might have talked to you about this but like i remember specific things i don't like people ask like my sister will tell me like the most remote story of something that happened between her and my mom. And I don't remember it at all. All I remember is like certain events that happened in my life. And I remember when I was studying physics, I had this like epiphany that 
about physics while I was studying it that I was like, this actually like changed the way that I think. Mm-hmm. Like, so, so like, of course, like that's irrelevant to what I do today, but it changed the way that like I thought about the world. And so I wonder if still learning these things like expands the way that you look at the world rather than like, it's not actually about the fact anymore because I agree knowledge has become a commodity and even the synthesizing of that knowledge has now become a commodity. But like, does it expand your worldview if you learn these things like math? That's huge. Um, we've talked about this before because for my experience, and we've talked about this many times, I was the most proud after my second year of medical school when I had a lot of knowledge at my fingertips, but no real world application experience and um, the work through of like applying it. So there's definitely value in, I think, learning and experiencing these things in different ways beyond just like, in, in this sense, just Googling it or asking a computer, because I think there's a, a complexity, but also a humility that comes with having worked through it. And I think there's also a foundational understanding of it that where, where we know not all the possibilities, not only what the most likely thing is, but the probability based off of what you're seeing in front of you and to know when there's an exception to the rule of what the most likely thing is. Uh, but I think the uh, humility aspect is actually the biggest lesson um, that goes through it. And I think it's very valuable. It's also one thing to add to that is like, if you read a book to Bisher's point earlier, Dr. Bisher, you do you, would you rather, do you get more value out of reading the entire book cover to cover or getting a synthesis of the key points of the book? I think there is value in reading the story, mm. you know, getting all the details and the value in the journey. And That's the, journey. the question. I mean, life's all about the journey. I mean, does that take away from it? I do think though, that there's no way to neglect these tools existing. Yeah. And I think that if you are to neglect these or, you, or, or if institutions and educational systems are to say, don't use these, I'll like, for example, in the hospital, if they're to say not to use up to date, I actually think it puts you at a huge disadvantage to the other people that are competing and using these tools and then leveraging those, learning how to leverage those tools so that they can make their lives easier and better. So it's almost like now we need to learn how to leverage these tools to make our lives better and to make our patients' lives better as well. But I don't think that we can neglect that this is happening. Like this is happening. Right. And it's gonna impact all of us. Yeah. I mean, I agree. And then people talk about losing jobs. For example, if you're a pathologist or radiologist, even sometimes a dermatologist gives it, the pattern recognition is there from it, right? It's gonna recognize patterns. So you're you're gonna have to upskill like, or reskill workers and figure out how we can interact with this technology to get there, right? So the pathologist, for example, instead of reading slide after slide after slide, maybe you audit what AI is putting out there, or maybe you oversee it. So now one radiologist, instead of being able to read a finite amount of films, now that they're they're double checking AI or something like that. So we're working with AI. You can extrapolate this to other fields of medicine too, like even in anesthesia, like could a robot monitor vital signs in labs and titrate medications better than a human ever could with a human sitting behind a desk and automating or auditing it. So that means you still need certain people, highly skilled jobs, but you need less of them because they you've made those people now more efficient. I will say because, you know, one caveat here is because I, I did do radiology for a year and when I was starting, this was maybe five, six years ago now, there was huge fear in, in, in radiology about whether or not AI, they, all the studies were coming out on AI, oh, they could diagnose breast cancer, they could do this, they could do that. A lot of those ended up under-delivering substantially in the diagnostic capabilities. And it's a much more complex job than what people think radiology is. So I actually think radiology would take longer than some of the other ones to be disrupted because of 
how much like artifact is involved in image capture. It's kind of complicated, but it's not as easy as as I think it is. But then again, like AI, like what I've seen with OpenAI and ChatGPT is so significant that I don't know if that changes my worldview. But at the time, I remember thinking like this is actually much more complex. And a lot of these AI softwares that come out at the time were under delivering the market by far. So I don't know if things changed for me. That's not what ChatGPT said. They said reality and pathology. I asked it. When else was going to go? Who's going to get the X? On surgical assistants said the surgeons that can wrote uh, AI can be your surgical assistant, administrative things like uh, coding, anything with the data analysis, coding, billing, administration. Um, but for us clinically, it was pathology and radiology and then surgical assistants. Surgical assistant kind of surprises me because I mean, I mean, your surgical assistant is like in front of you, interacting with you in a three-dimensional space. And I know that the robotic surgeries, like Da Vinci, people think that the robot's doing a lot. The robot does crap. Like Da Vinci surgery is not what people imagine. It's not like the robot. Yeah, robot's not doing the surgery. No, right. the surgeon is. The surgeon is 100% for surgery. All it is, honestly, I was talking to him yeah. about this last week. I don't know if you've ever seen those, the, the handhold clips, like someone who can't walk or someone who is like, I don't know, they can't get something on the floor. They'll use the hand clip and they'll grab it with this grabber. Mm -hmm. That's what the Da Vinci surgery is. All it is is like a very finely tuned extension of your arm to get into a small space with a scope. Yeah, but you drive a Tesla, right? Yeah. Does it does it self-drive? Yeah. Okay. Isn't that very complicated? It's extremely complicated. Okay, so well, I, what would make you think that you can do surgery with AI? I think eventually, but I think it's going to be one of the last things. I do too. To go. Yeah, yeah. It's just because... Very like, I mean, of course, I think the tech will be there, but I think something like that as sophisticated as like minute hand movements and trying to analyze what's happening in an abdomen. And at the same time, like if there's a mistake that happens that, you know, you're able to act immediately to fix that mistake. Imagine like you're dealing with a robot that now there's blood all over the, the surgical field and they can't see what's going on. And they don't like, I, I, I think it's, it's still possible. I'm definitely not ruling it out, but I think surgery and things that are hands-on are going to be one of the last things to go because not only do you have to pair AI with like the knowledge base, but now you have to pair it with something physical that can perform that task. And those are combining two different systems. And I don't know that our like physical, because even, you know, the Teslas, we both drive Teslas, um, are not that good. No. Um, they're pretty good, but they're not that good. They're, Didn't you say they're better than real drivers? Well, that's the that's the rub here. So this actually takes you where I was going to go next. <laughs> you said, well, there are the Because I sent you an article about the, the Tesla crashing, right? Yeah, then I sent you an article. Then you sent me an article that they actually have less incidents so of crashing. Substantially less. Oh, wait, it's like 10,000 year one. Every now and then, like, they'll stop when they see something. Yeah, it makes dumb mistakes. But are you safer mistakes. with a Tesla driving or with a human driving? But the, here's the moral issue. This is it. That's exactly it. So let's say that the chat GPT bridges the gap. Let's say that it replaces and is a better performer than a doctor in any of these fields. Radiology, pathology, dermatology, dermatopathoproctology. It doesn't matter. Let's say it actually delivers. <laughs> That's a new field. <laughs> it's the next one to go. Right. Uh, but it then becomes a problem. So like, I think full self-driving and all these autonomous vehicles are the perfect companion because if by the numbers it's safer, but also if by the numbers it is 100, if that technology is 100% responsible for your aunt's death, your mom's death, your sister's death, your brother's death. Like we as human beings, I think yeah. have a very hard time accepting that. And I think reasonably so. I think we, we're, we're more accepting of human error collectively right. 
than we are saying like, oh yeah, I mean, it's a 10,000 times safer, but it definitely causes death. Do you know why? Because I feel like you can punish a human, but you can't Oh, that's AI. interesting. So wrong site surgery, it happens a lot. So that, but then you can punish who did it. With the AI, who are you going to punish? There's nobody to punish. So you can't like displace the anger. So I think people need closure. And that's why mm. you're not really forgiving. I think you're actually taking it out on that person. You can take it out on a person and then you feel fulfilled. This is such a dark perspective. I, I have mean, like I the completely opposite. <laughs> no, I think it's real because. Well, I think part of it is accountability. I mean, a part of it is actually accountability. I mean, a lot of the things that we do in medicine are very defensive in it already the way the system is set up right now so i don't think that that's like any different there are certain roles that you know doctors perform i'll give an example um with a surgical abdomen right like if there's a trauma case and they they open someone's abdomen up and they're working in there they're doing stuff and then they lose count of the sponges or they lose count of the uh, of one of the instruments right they instead of just having the surgeon look at the films they always have like the radiologist overview the films now do they think that the radiologist is seeing something that they don't see it's like very clear it's not something that's hard to find but they're doing that to turf blame onto somebody else so part of it is that you know it brings other like that they, they do need somebody to blame in medicine right now and it needs to be a human right um, or they need somebody not necessarily to blame but to take responsibility and with AI, there's nobody who's taking responsibility. It's someone, I think the clinician has to take it. So there are companies coming out with AI for dermatopathology that you as the dermatologist, even though you're not dermatopathology fellowship trained, you can read your own slides, but you have to sign off on them. Right. No, that's so. that's a good point. But then the thing is, why are we expected to have 0% error as human beings? Like a surgeon yeah. can make a mistake because he's will, because he's yeah. human, but then you're still held accountable and you're still, you know, if there's malpractice, you're held liable. But with AI, what is it? Like the company gonna pay out every time? I think that's very, it's a lot harder to hold people accountable with AI, which is why people probably are gonna not wanna adopt it as much. Like the Tesla thing, the self-driving, people are mad that they crashed. But like when there's a drunk driver, you don't see it on the news every day because it happens all the time. There's the commonality of it that trivializes right. it. Right. And it's also new, right? So you have yeah, that new and then everyone's betting against Tesla all the time. And so, <laughs> you, are, you know, it really is phenomenal. There was a whole, I mean, they, they showed this where there was a big recall for airbags um, from one of the major car manufacturers and it got like almost no press coverage. Now, when Tesla had their big recall, it was everywhere, everywhere. And the recall was a software update. Yeah, it was a software update, <laughs> right? A so it was like the window closed at higher power than it was supposed to close. Did you see the Tesla recall? Yeah. So it was like the the window, the power to the window was too high. And then they, they said, this is the remedy for the situation. We're going to send an over-the-air factory update to your car. All you have to do is update the software in your car. And that was like all over everything, like Tesla recalls, you know, 120,000 vehicles. And so I, I think that there is a big distrust of of the of new advancements just in general. People don't want to accept them. I actually think that once every car on the road is a Tesla or can communicate mm -hmm. with the other cars on the road, that's how it's perfect. Because even a Tesla that's driving perfect is going to still be subjected to human error because of the other cars on the right. road. But once the cars can communicate with each other, like everybody's on the same system, mm -hmm. then the chances of someone getting in an accident get close to zero to me. Yeah, and then the cars take over. Well, and then, well, that's the thing, and then you lose cars. Like, that's the whole problem we're faced with, because you've seen Minority Report, right? 
I don't know. Maybe there's a lot of time ago. Yeah. I, I know it's like super old, but that's the whole part. The whole transportation system is exactly that. You step into a pod, you get into your pod. It takes you down the transit. You go where you want to go. That's it. We have this weird thing like where cars um, are an extension of like you and your independence. And like, it, it's all about, it's actually a part of you in a sense. Uh, but once we're ready to strip that away, just like get rid of the whole road system, get rid of cars completely. You don't need a fully self-driving car. You need like a big train station and everything just needs to be along that transit line. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a probably a major hurdle. I don't know. But my, my question is the control that we have. Like what if AI gets too smart for us? Oh, yeah. What if the cars, huh? We're toast. Yeah, we're toast. All the cars decided to crash. Yes. So everyone's, uh, I don't know if you saw this, like they, they basically have programmed this AI to like destroy the world. Like they turned off all the brakes on it and basically said like, how would you destroy the world and like start to make, like to plot mm. basically to like destroy the world. Then they started to look into like nuclear technologies and like, start, and they were like, this is like my proposal is to nuclear technology. And they're like, well, how are you going to like actually make this happen? And they started to try to like recruit other AI to like put out information into the world to like get other people, like to create basically propaganda on social media to like basically start a nuclear war wow. in the world. Um, so you could potentially, you know, do that. I, I think we're very far away. I'm not. Well, maybe it's not, but maybe it's, maybe it's not AI. Maybe it's somebody using AI because now AI is so powerful, Dude, right? Hot GBT propaganda machine. Can you imagine? Is that a yeah. science fiction or is that something? No, it's like a real thing. Yeah, what that's yeah. a, this was a real thing that you're doing. Yeah, yeah, this is a real. They thing. asked Chat GPT. This? They asked like some version of Chat GPT, like because you can have like Chat GPT. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. Like sub programs, like you can build programs on OpenAI in a program that was built on OpenAI. They tried to program to like destroy the world. Well, I thought that's how this was originally was. I think I don't know a whole lot about it, but I feel like Elon Musk, when he was a part of this, was supposed to be like true open, like true open tech. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he said he wants to limit it now. Maybe I have no idea where he stands on things, but like, yeah, the, then they started handicapping this. And I know some people are pissed about it because they're like, oh, this should be like completely limitless. But then I think a lot of people are like, no, if th this can't be limitless, th the repercussions would be insane. Yeah. Cause you got a lot of crazies out there. A lot of crazy people. What do you do? Say, say that the United States, right? Like we're in the United States. Let's say the United States says, "Hey, we're going to put the brakes on right. GPT." So what? Sense. What? What? It, it, from a worldview, like you know, because we're in a world economy now. Mm -hmm. You know, we're competing on a world stage, right? And if every other part of the world is using these tools and we're not, I actually think that puts us again at a big disadvantage. And so, how do we use them to our benefit? Like, let's talk about dermatology specifically, or skincare, or like anything that we do in our lives. Like, how could you use? You personally use chat gpt and what ai is available to us today to make your life better and thus make our patients life better let's look at the best case scenarios with this best case so i think if you're a dermatologist working in clinic if you can go see a patient have the ai listen to the entire conversation synthesize an entire note that's going to save you so much time free up your medical assistant to help you with whatever you need to do you can see more patients give them higher quality of care it can give you differential diagnoses that you may have not even thought of yourself um, and help you plan surgeries. I mean, basically anything. Yeah, it can be helpful for you. It can take schedule. calls potentially. Like if you know after surgery, people are going to call for like three main things, right? Post-op pain, post-op bleeding, post-op infection. Mm -hmm. So you can program it to answer all their questions, like the call or even your on your website. They say I have, or they message you, I have post-op pain. Well, can you please take your 
Tylenol is scheduled or whatever it is. You know, I mean, put pressure on it. Have your staff use it potentially even to. Or before it it gets to your staff, it does all the preliminary questions. It fits it. Yes. This would be my absolute nightmare to end up in an AI phone tree (laughs) where it's like literally learn to not get in contact with the doctor. Like it would totally be a headache. Like, can you imagine like what it would learn over time? Like from just the people that answer the phones, like it would be time. What if it listened to you and all your conversations with patients and picked up your demeanor and how you would answer these things, right? If it listened to all your staff answering the questions, learned it all, and then you put it in that phone tree. So then it's going to help the patient because the patient's going to wait to either talk to you if you're on call or get through a phone tree anyway to get your, to your nurse because she's busy. She's going to call two hours later. They can get that information right away. But what to be able to pick out like an emergency? Like that you well, oh, sure. we could train it to do it. Yeah. Totally see yeah. Human beings. That's probably yeah. true. Because you there'd probably be certain buzzwords that would trigger Just like, like your hey. pulmonary embolism to go back to that. Yeah. It would know this to the ER. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I definitely think it could help with triage. I mean, simply like you said, writing notes, right? You have friends that are writing discharge summaries. Some of this stuff that's like purely mechanical can get much easier, right? Writing something simple, putting something simple together. Even simply as I've had it say, hey, like, you know, someone reaches out to me through an email and they're like, hey, we're really interested in you working with this brand. And I'm like, no, I'm not interested. So then I then I basically say like AI, like, you know, write me uh, a, 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 an email saying that I'm not interested and make it like nice and friendly and, you know, t- two paragraphs, boom, send mm-hmm. it off, right? So it's like really good at, at tasks like that. So, and, and it's also, it, there there is ability right now. Matt, Matt, the meeting with Matt, he was actually on a call. Uh, he was actually using AI to, to write the notes. And I forget what the name of the app is, but there's an AI app that can take notes from your Zoom meetings. Mm-hmm. So it's listening to your Zoom meeting, synthesizing. What it does is it takes bullet points of the meeting and it also gives you action items. So it takes me- meeting minutes. Wow. So, you know, it's it's definitely making you more efficient. Like it can act as your executive assistant. It can act as, you know, in some ways, consulting, note taking, email writing. Um, so a lot of the tasks, um, it could certainly make your life more efficient and better. So you could focus on things that matter, like, um, Trash. Now, you get two words together that don't go hand in hand. Well, they sort of do, they sort of don't. But efficient and better life. Because we live in this like super hyper-efficient world in America. It's The medical system is like the perfect example. Like the quantity of patients you have to see keeps going up. Because they're like, you can be more efficient. You can be more efficient. You can be more efficient. You have to be more efficient. So maybe this is for a longer discussion, but the way that the medical system has worked in this country, there is no other industry, no other industry, right? Like the cost of the can of Diet Coke over there has gone up every year since we were born. In the United States, the cost of what they pay for a procedure has gone down every single year. How like you have these two completely different things happening at the same time, like the cost of goods, the cost of labor, the cost of keeping the lights on go up, but the cost you're getting reimbursed for that procedure and that medical care goes down every year. Like you're going to get squeezed to the point where this thing doesn't work anymore. And so, so efficiency within the medical community. And I think we're, we're saying basically the same thing here. You said it wrong though. That's the only thing I was going to correct. The, the cost of healthcare goes up. The reimbursement goes down. Correct. Yeah. yeah so I mean, because yeah, you kept yeah. the cost, your cost, cost is going up for right. everyone across the board, but they're paying the reimbursement. The reimbursement. Yeah, so reimbursements are going down. Completely paradoxical. The cost to deliver that care mm-hmm. has gone up. 
And so as a result, they turn to the physicians and the other healthcare providers and they say, hey, you just gotta be more efficient. Mm -hmm. But they have to be more efficient because otherwise this medical system is gonna collapse. Mm -hmm. And so this is not a fault of any of the healthcare providers, this is a fault of the system. And this system's on the brink of collapse. And we're close because, you know, as practice owners, like we know what the what the numbers are looking like on a daily basis. Like things are grim out there unless you can get creative and figure out efficiencies in the system. And so I agree with you. This is not great for anyone's life. Like going from seeing, you know, 20 patients a day to 30 patients a day to 40 patients a day to 50 patients a day to 68 patients a day. Like the onus should not be on us to become more efficient, but it's getting worse and worse. And so is AI a tool to help that? Or are we just now just feeding the beast and we need to figure out a way to fix the system rather than try to find new efficiencies? Yeah, I don't know. You're not sold on AI in healthcare? I was sold on the fact that it exists and it's not going anywhere. Actually, it's your nose for it. Yeah. It exists. We're doing it some for us. The life of those in these, you know, it's the laughs, it's the personal interactions. Like, these are the things that we're phasing out with AI and technology. Like, this is the quality of life. The quality of life is not how can you make things more efficient. It's like not how can you do well, like think about life. farming. It's not when you're out there just on your own milking your own cow. Like you have to make it where technology takes precedence to like actually progress. Your Tesla give farms now to automate everything. Right. Yeah. So yes, of course, like you have this wonderful idealistic life where you're living on a farm with a few cows and you know, in, in a few chickens and your dogs, but that's not going to like run the world. How many times have you been to the doctor's office and you sit there, especially when the EHR first came out where they're sitting there and they're not even looking at you and they're just typing away. Remedy. You know, I feel like in person now, exactly. I think AI, with the AI, that right. could be remedy. Would you argue, this is actually a good point that you bring up. So in dermatology, and for those of you in other specialties, you're not going to be excited. You're not going to be happy to hear this, but <laughs> most of us have scribes in, in, in our, in our, in our uh, offices. And that's not true of every doctor's office, but in dermatology, we happen to a lot of times be trained on scribes. And so we have somebody already there trying to improve our efficiencies in mm -hmm. the room, right? So you're not there like taking every note, checking in their medications, like double checking this, double checking that, putting in all the little details that you need to do meet your MIPS requirements by the state. You're not doing all that stuff. You have right. somebody else doing that. So essentially like maybe this gives it because other, maybe other, you know, providers aren't able to afford that or maybe they don't have the efficiency oh, yeah. to do that. So maybe AI affords them essentially a scribe. No, no, no. That's completely wrong. That's the wrong answer. And here's why. We settle back to paper. No, no, you don't need that. <laughs> you have to go paper. No, the problem is that through the efficiency models, through the squeezing of the system model, they've created a problem that now technology would be the solution for. You see people, we saw this when they did the last billing update. You could cut out some of the fluff from your notes because it was obviously irrelevant. And we decided, okay, you don't need that anymore to bill for this visit. Now, as a physician, I know for a fact, 99.9% .9 of a note is crap. It's fluff. It's irrelevant to what that patient came in for today. And it's just so someone can come behind you and audit it. It's for their it's for their efficiency and practicality so that they don't have to spend the time going through physicians' notes individually and be like, oh, did they put this? Does it matter? I don't know, because it's a checklist for them. So in my opinion, 
it was the efficiency model that put it there in the first place. And now they've created the problem that an efficiency model might be the solution for. And so that, that I just don't think that's I just think you need efficiency though. So you're talking about two problems. You're talking about the problem of having unwanted stuff in the note, and then you're talking about efficiency. Mm -hmm. So I say, make it more efficient and remove all the fluff in the crap. I agree. So I, agree. I, think, I think we're saying the same thing. Like, I think what I you're upset about is like, yielding to the system and say like <laughs> you know like like the, this problem exists and we're solving it like i don't want to solve the problem actually like i want the, the system to fix itself but you and i in our first when i was first year of training i said to you man we're never going to fix this system. Oh, we're not. only the way that we can survive is to figure out how we personally can survive in this system yeah. because like we're not going to fix the system like we could go try to govern we could protest and we could hold signs and like go to our guy write our write our you know congressman but like this is never going to happen. Like this system is is totally broken beyond our our fixing. Like we'll do our best as an individual. Right. I think I personally believe so much in individual responsibility, and then that leads to a ripple of things around you. But I really just don't think we're going to fix this 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 healthcare system in that way. Have you read old notes from like? You know, old school doctors. Oh, yeah. High blood pressure, increased blood pressure medications. Period. And, period. That was it. And it was like everything you needed to know. Now I can't even figure out why the person came in. So I think we're speaking the same language. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, maybe AI actually, you know, comes up with a solution, makes it simpler for ask it to summarize a note. Ask it to <laughs> ask it to do healthcare. Ask it to fix healthcare. That's the end of the podcast. Is we ask AI to fix healthcare. <laughs> done. Get through to the doctor. Defend us first. No, it's true problem. All. All right. So final consensus, everybody. Uh, this is super interesting. We're gonna probably have to do a part two on this. But Doctor Aldaba, your thoughts? AI. I'm all for it. Embrace it. Use Embrace it. it. Use it. Take it to the next level. I, I'm actually becoming a faster adopter out of necessity, um, but I will. But, but it's not the heart. I'm telling you now. I'm looking at you and your camera eyeball. That's not the heart of life. It's the spice of life. All of the meaningful things, <laughs> like the interpersonal relationships, like the the the, the deeper moments, like. This is crap. <laughs> the rest of this is fluff. <laughs> okay. I'm probably somewhere in between you guys where I think if you if you use it to your advantage to allow you more time in life to do the things that are beautiful and meaningful, then like I'm all for it. But you also have to put some sort of like break or stop check to it or else it gets out of control, which I don't know what that looks like because I'm not that well-versed in technology. Yeah, no, I, I'm going to be with Dr. Casal on this one. I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, I think I think AI is happening. There's no way to not. If you're not looking into this and how it can improve your life right now, then you're going to be behind everybody else. So I think you need to be aware of it. You can reject it completely. You could be the guy, horse and buggy guy. Like you can be like, but if you yeah, you can be Maxfield, that horse and buggy, and I'm all about that. It's great. But, you know, I think if you're going to compete in today's world, you need to be familiar with these technologies, get familiar with them, decide if you want to use them or not. I do think it's going to happen. I do think it's going to change the world. Um, but I agree with you a hundred percent that like the meaningful moments in life are like the human interactions, the time you spend with your family, the time you spend with your friends. And if we could figure out a way to leverage AI to give more time to the things that matter, then that would be a major win for us. But if it keeps us doing more paperwork and just feeding the system, then I think that's a big loss for us. So we got to figure out how to leverage it to our advantage.
I agree. Perfect. All right. Thank you all so much for listening in. It's a really interesting episode on AI. Definitely leave your comments if you're listening to us on YouTube and have the opportunity to leave comments. Definitely let us know your thoughts and how AI is going to destroy or make the world better. Yeah. We appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of this journey as always. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you can find Dr. Jay Casal at Dr. Jay Casal on uh, on uh, t- on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and uh, Dr. Bisher. You can find at Dr. Bisher. Yes. All right. With a B. With the B. As versus. Please <laughs> 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 All right. We'll see you all the next one.